Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life. And I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Give me a break. That's what we're going to do, Michael. We're going to be like accountants now in baseball. Uh, what is it? The Pythagorean theorem. The Pythagorean theorem says that the Red Jays offensive line, that their record should be one in one. That's the Pythagorean theorem said that the Giants offensive line, that their record should be two and all. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. 40. 40 years. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. And we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. It is Prospectus 2018 release day. Kyle Krabs' NFL Draft Guide is now available for your reading pleasure on ndtscouting.com. I've seen it. It's tremendous as always. And congratulations, Kyle, on another high-quality publication for the people. I know it feels good for for you to get this into the hands of the readers. Hi, friends. Yeah. Um, Weighted the world off the shoulders, Joe. I can't wait till next Monday when it's your turn to feel like just the everlasting glow of not having to spend every waking moment working on a book. <laughs> it's terrific. And if the people love it, then that's just the icing on the cake. I know I personally am uh, extremely pleased with the way it came out this year. I think we really challenged ourselves, Joe, especially with the player comparisons and the way we did the prospect, um, the red flag tagging, and it's a lot of extra background information that could have been easy to gloss over in years past. So... I think the added levels of depth that we get here uh, is is what makes me so proud to have this culminated and, and into the hands of people who 
consume our thoughts all year round and for them to put their money where their mouth is and invest in us is just really, really cool. So I was going to ask one follow-up question here, and it may be a little bit of a duplicate of what you've already said, but I was going to say, Kyle, what's the one thing when you think about the 2018 prospectus that's like your favorite thing that you're most proud of that you're most excited for people to see? Uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite thing regarding comparisons because it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> you, you see here, you watch some of these kids, and I have to open up prospectuses from years past and start thumbing through the position groups, asking myself, okay, who's a guy that's got some strengths and weaknesses to this guy? I found an excuse to comp somebody to uh, Kayvon Seymour, the USC DB from a couple years ago. Like, that's how deep this thing had to go mm-hmm. to pull off some comparisons. So. I think the ability to get 300 comparisons and get 300 comparisons that I didn't absolutely hate is an accomplishment <laughs> in itself. You know, it's, it is fun because, like, the first 150 guys, right, oh, those weren't hard to do. No. Yeah, but then you start getting to the bottom of the barrel, and you're like, all right, well, uh, who does Martez Carter remind me of running back from, from Grambling State? And uh, it, it was fun, and that's exactly what I did. I started looking through old uh, rankings that I had and just kind of seeing names that triggered another thought. And, and, you know, by the by the time it was all said and done, I was able to come up with 300. And I know you did as well. That's probably been my favorite thing, thumbing through, uh, especially having done the same 300 guys, right. is, is seeing who you wrote down. And it's funny, we had uh, – I was looking through your running backs. We ha- I don't remember which running back it was. I think Kyle Hicks, maybe. We both compared the same guy to Storm Johnson. Like, how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> Great minds think alike, like, buddy. That's Al. It was like – Wow! All right, Storm Johnson. That was a clear comp. I think I think it might have been Kyle Hicks. No, I don't remember. I don't think but, it was uh, Kyle Hicks. Kyle Hicks was oh. a little too wiggly, but I do remember. Yeah, like there was that was one I had to search on that one for like <laughs> that was like a ten minute search trying to find it back. I went through each of my past three or four years worth of guides like twice before I was like, oh, you know what, Storm? Yeah, I can work with Storm. That's a guy that's who I'm going to roll with. NDTScouting.com. You can go purchase Kyle Krabs' 2018 NFL Draft Prospectus. It's $20, and you get a download right away. And then the icing on the cake is that a week from to, a week from today, you can go back on to ndtscouting.com and also download, download my NFL Draft Scouting portfolio. The same $20 gets you both draft guides and uh, – you will be you will be ready for a draft night. You can have that thing open, and you your team picks a player, and you can look up both mine and Kyle's thoughts and have a very comprehensive uh, overview of what player your team just selected. Uh, Kyle, it's interesting today what we want to get into in the show. It feels like we spent so much time in, in, in talking about the top of the draft and the quarterbacks and all the teams trading up for quarterbacks and you know the Saquon Barkleys and Quentin Nelsons of the world and. <clears throat> Today we're not going to talk about that. We're going to we're going to flip the script here to the back half of the first round and, and look at some of the the storylines that could unfold, some of the players that could be available, some of the the intriguing decisions that teams will have. I know it's a little bit of a shot in the dark because we don't know how the first half unfolded in, in the scenarios that we're going to talk about, but there's still a lot of intrigue in the back half of, of the first, and, and so we want to get into those storylines today. Kyle, why don't you take honors? Well, first of all, I got to eat some crow, Joe. You know my own, you know my own damn book better than I do. Uh, it was Kyle Hicks. They got the Storm Johnson. Okay. Album. So I sit here. My, <laughs> okay. I had my producer pull it up and sitting here bothering me. So yeah, okay. uh, here we are. Um, one of the things that I did over the course of the weekend with my newfound free time was I 
wrote an article discussing uh, some of the potential targets in a short list for the Cleveland Browns with the 33rd overall selection. And Joe, uh, the 33rd pick isn't quite as valuable as those last couple picks at the end of the first round because you don't get the fifth year of contract control. But it is an extremely valuable pick because everyone has had the chance to reassess their boards and look at the way the first round fell and kind of survey the landscape of the teams picking ahead of them and where they might go if they're going to try and fill a need. And You usually see the top five, six spots. You see some moving and shaking. So a spot like Cleveland at 33, especially a team that's already had a chance to fill a couple needs. They got football guys in there, so they're going to want to add their guys. And It's a really interesting spot for Cleveland, but I'm sitting here and I'm surveying this, and I'm saying, okay, we're going to operate on the assumption that um, the Browns have drafted Sam Darnold, which I'm telling you right now, put in pen. Browns are drafting Sam Darnold at one. And then at four, they're either going to take Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, or maybe Minka Fitzpatrick or Denzel Ward. But it sounds like I would I would hedge bets on either Chubb or Barkley, depending on who's available. So you look at the rest of the Browns and their needs. They have a couple question marks at wide receiver as far as can Corey Coleman stay healthy. They have a question in Josh Gordon as far as can you trust him to keep his nose clean and stay on the field. Uh, they have a looming hole now at left tackle that there's not really any candidates to fill in that slot uh, with the fourth overall selection. And then you've got the cornerback position, which it sounds like they're, you know, they're, they're considering Denzel Ward in that, at least according to our friend Ben Albright, saying, saying that that is in consideration. So I look at those three holes on this roster, and I say, okay, none of these holes are getting addressed. So where can we go from here? So if we're looking at the, the, the candidates here, I think this was a really interesting conversation to sit down. And the names that I came up with were James Washington from Oklahoma State. Uh, we're going to operate under the assumption that at least two out of the three of Calvin Ridley, D.J. Moore, and Cortland Sutton are going to be gone by the time the second round rolls around. Offensive tackle, we're probably going to have Orlando Blount Jr. On the, on the board, Jamarco Jones likely on the board, uh, Connor Williams and Mike McGlinchey likely off the board. And then at corner... Joe, this was the interesting one for me, and this is where I'm interested to get your feedback. The name I came up with was Mike Hughes, and I know some of these guys are scheme-specific, but if you look at the landscape and the corner group in general, uh, Josh Jackson likely to go to a cover three team, Denzel Ward being talked up as a top 10, top 15 pick, and then there's some teams in the 20s that may take advantage of an injury-riddled season from Jair Alexander. Do we find a home for somebody like Mike Hughes in the first first round, and if not, how would you personally feel about that addition? Cleveland seems to be a team that doesn't, or at least historically has not, we can't really speak to what their current trends are going to be, uh, prioritize size, and you would think that would be the case if they're really giving consideration to Denzel Ward inside the top five. Yeah, I think Mike Hughes is a really good fit to Cleveland because I know how much bump it, or uh, how much man coverage that Greg Williams is going to want to run. He's certainly a good man corner, has good ball skills. He gives a lot of upside in the return game. Um, I'm also still anxious to see if Howard Wilson can come back from his injury last year. And uh, you see like what he Howard. can offer. Uh, I do like Howard Wilson, so I, I would love to see him come come uh, back, return healthy, and be able to contribute. But yeah, I think I think Mike Hughes is, is absolutely 
a a player that could fit there. And, and like you said, pegging these corners are, are really difficult because of uh, some of the variables in play with, you know, Denzel Ward seemingly going early, like you said about Jair Alexander and his injuries pushing him down. Uh, seems like Isaiah Oliver is a popular corner for the end of the first round, but Mike Hughes to Cleveland makes a lot of sense to me. Kyle, one of the things that I, when I look at and I survey this, this back half of the first round is I look at Seattle, pick number 18. This is a weird-looking Seattle roster because uh, no longer on the team are Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, Paul Richardson, <laughs> Jimmy Graham, Luke Wilson, Sheldon Richardson, Devon, Deshaun Sheed, Matt Tobin, all gone. No longer part of the equation. It's almost like a mini-rebuild for Seattle who, uh, let's be honest, if if you know they didn't have so many injuries last year, they probably would have been a playoff team. So they really turned things around. All the coordinators coordinators have been switched out with other guys. I mean, this is going to be a new-look Seattle team, and they pick at number 18, and then they don't pick again until pick number 120, Kyle. Thanks. And uh, there is a, a wide gap in, 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 in picks between Seattle's uh, choices, and there are suddenly a lot of holes on the Seattle roster. And so when you think about the options for them at 18, and we know Seattle's been a trade-back team almost every year. They love to trade back. I'd almost guarantee it, Kyle. What are they going to do, sit there at 18 and pick Marcus Davenport? I mean, that would be a very Seattle-esque thing to do. But you've got to be able to think to yourself, we could trade back a number of spots and pick up some capital and have your next pick much sooner than 120 or maybe your next couple picks sooner than 120. So when I start thinking about very logical trade back teams that guys you know, teams that aren't just going to sit there and pick a player Seattle man it just it just makes too much sense and I'd almost think it'd be a real mistake for them to sit there unless like the right player fell of course that's always the exception but for them to sit there and, and ignore any trade up offers and of course there does have to be trade up offers but I I'd be There's willing to believe that offers. there there always is yeah. right yeah there always is that uh, you know picking up a a couple picks man to start filling some of these holes, beef up this uh, roster with some young talent and help out my dude, Russell Wilson, man, <laughs> because, uh, you know, they, they I, there's not a player in the NFL that shoulders more of the success of their team than Russell Wilson. He deserves to have some help and uh, they need some draft picks to get it to him. Joe, speaking of trade back candidates, is there a more likely candidate from 25 to 32 than the new England Patriots? And here's why I ask. Yep. Here's why I ask. The Patriots are a team that traditionally has had very lean boards. They're very specific in the characteristics that they look for. So this is not a team like the Dallas Cowboys that's got four or 500 players on their draft board. right? This is a team that, that's probably going to come in between 75 and 100 players on the board. And they kind of prescribe to the same approach, Joe, is what we talk about with the way that we do our evaluations, which is, you have a value on a player. Is anybody going to look and say, we've got a first-round pick, and we're going to get a good value at 30 in this draft class? I think the first-round caliber players, there's 15 to 20 of them. That's not to say there's not good football players outside those 15 to 20. I personally finished with 16 first-round grades. But you get outside of that first tier – and New England's going to look at the economics of the pick, and they do this all the time. They are, they are so notorious for moving and shaking and getting aggressive as far as 
the scarcity of the board and you know if, if they lose the opportunity to land somebody that that's worth a valued selection in the tier that their pick is slotted they're going to get out of that pick so i look at the value of the draft board i look at where the patriots are picking i look at their philosophies and i think they are a prime candidate to drop out of the first round altogether maybe drop back into the early second and allow a, a team to come up and get that extra year of control if one of these uh, quarterbacks potentially slides or, or a player that really fits a scheme-specific role is on the board there at the end of the first round. Now Kyle, we've, we've mentioned a couple of trade-back teams, Seattle, New England. There's certainly going to be some others that would make sense in this range. Who are the teams trading up for? Who, who are the players that are going to be dangling around in this back of the first round that, you know, a team's going to want to jump up and get? You know, we saw Reuben Foster last year, you know, for whatever, you know, for, for a number of reasons, slide, and, and San Francisco was aggressive to come back up and get him. And we've seen quarterbacks, you know, it'd be a popular place for some quarterbacks, uh, like what uh, Minnesota did with Teddy Bridgewater, to come up and get one. And, and so that's where I, I, I go with this, because you look at a team like the Giants, who uh, pick number two, they seem seem like they're going to sit there and pick a guy. And it may not be a quarterback. And they may, they may pick Saquon Barkley. They could pick Bradley Chubb. They could pick Quentin Nelson. None of those things would surprise me in any way. But are they serious about getting a quarterback this year to start, you know, being the understudy to Eli Manning? Are they a team that could trade back in and target Mason Rudolph? You know, I think that's the guy, that's the quarterback in my mind. You know, when we're being forecasters right now, this is not based on how we stack these players. But that's kind of the, the range. I could see Mason going anywhere from 25 to 50. Uh, but if you want to get him and you believe in him and you think that he can be a, back, uh, a starter for you and you want that fifth year of control, which is probably as big as anything, you know, uh, trade up. Go go get Mason Rudolph. Uh, I think that would be the quarterback this year. I'm not sure there's any others because I think we're going to see the big four, uh, you know, our, Darnold, Allen, Rudolph, excuse me, Darnold, Allen, Mayfield, and uh, Rosen go within the top ten and then, you know, I think that Lamar Jackson is going to find a home somewhere in between. And now we just got this Mason Rudolph factor. And do you see this happening? Do you think Mason can go in the back of the first round of the team trade up for him? And I'm trying to talk myself out of it, right? No. About this time last year, we heard Davis Webb potentially first round. And I took a hook, line, and sinker. And I was like, oh, my God, a team like Arizona is going to be all over him. <laughs> I trade up. And, like, it didn't happen. Not only did it didn't happen, it wasn't even close. So I would like to think the league's not going to fall in love with just a safe personality and a set baseline level of NFL traits and a pretty good head on his shoulders that's going to take what he gives you. Like, that's that's backup. That's a backup floor right now. Does he have the other traits to push him above that? I personally don't prescribe to that. So... Could I see it? Yes, I could. Do I think it's going to happen? Mm. I'm tr- I'm trying really hard not to get on board with the concept of somebody trading back up what, into the what? late 20s for, for for Mason Rudolph. What does your morning sound like? Uh, goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? 
Mm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage egg and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. Kyle, let me give you kind of a, a, a flip the script of that. And, and you mentioned Arizona, and let's mention Buffalo in this mix as well. Is Mason the type of player that a team like Buffalo or Arizona, who is, you know, they'd love to get their quarterback uh, early, get one of those big four guys. We just don't know if that's going to be able to happen. Are those trade back teams? We haven't really considered that. It, could Buffalo trade back from 12? Could Arizona trade back? I think, are they 14? Let me, let me look. I got it right here. 14, yeah, 15. 15 Could they trade yeah. back from 15 and, you know, do the opposite of what everyone's saying? You know, they're not going to go give up a bunch of stuff to get a quarterback. They're going to trade back and, and you know, per- subscribe to that philosophy like we saw with, uh, you know, Minnesota was able to do build up a, a beefy roster around a serviceable quarterback and, and uh, just because, you know, they're just not in striking distance and there, there's no partners that are uh, – Willing to move back high. I mean, Buffalo, Arizona, Mason Rudolph, back half of the first round. Could it be? Yeah, it's an interesting point because it takes two to tango. And as much as those teams desperately want to get up into there, I don't know if the Giants are trading out. They'd have to get, like, a lion's share to trade out. It's never happened. So, Gettleman's so, never traded back at any point in any draft. So now you're talking about you're trying to talk the Browns out of picking it four. Can you talk the Browns out of it? I don't couldn't talk me out of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you'd have Not the with the other picks they already have. Right. I mean, what are you really <laughs> going to give them unless it's like two full draft classes in future years and a second-round pick this year? Like, they, they've already got 33. So I, I think the economics of it may dictate some of these teams uh, to kind of cut their losses, quote-unquote, on the process, right? They, you know, it's the Buffalo trust the process. They stole it from Philadelphia, and that's cool, and that's whatever. But Sixers did clinch playoff spot last night, Joe, just for record. I don't know if the Hornets are in the dance. Oh, yeah, you know, basketball's been distant from oh, my mind. I wonder why. So, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a fair-weather basketball fan. What can I say? <laughs> so you, you've got um, Buffalo, and, you know, they even got aggressive to move up to 12, but I don't know how they're going to get there. I don't know how they're going to get into a spot to land a guy unless they're going to take the guy that's left over out after the top four go, or they're banking on somebody taking a tumble. So, um, yeah, I could see that coming to fruition, especially a team like Buffalo. Like they, they still got 22. And I'll tell you this about Arizona. I consistently get to Arizona in my mock drafts. I don't know who the hell to give them. They're a tough Lamar team. Jackson. I mean, yeah. Connor Williams. Yeah. I mean, offensive but, line or, or, or quarterback. But, right? but realistically, like, you look at you look at the roster and you say, wow, I mean, they, they, these guys have ways to go here. And, <laughs> yeah. and I really – there's a lot of different directions that you could go, a lot of different things that you could justify. 
But and it's it's so easy to say, oh, well, they don't have a quarterback. We got to give them a quarterback. But is that how they feel, or do they just want to take the best available player because they know they're such a long ways away and they might not be totally enamored with the guy that's there at fifteen? So they're a tough team for me to mock, and for that reason, I also wouldn't be surprised to see them slide out. That's a good point with Arizona. You know, I, I think it's one thing to try to get your guy, right, if he's available mm-hmm. or whatnot. But sometimes the, the infrastructure is just so bad, right? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And, and now I don't think, you you know, if you believe a guy is going to be a franchise quarterback, then take him. Like, ten times out of ten, don't think twice about it. But, you know, for a team like Arizona, for them to give up assets to get a – you know, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. There, there's no team that's – is going to trade all the way back to 14. They're hesitant to trade back to 12. Uh, you know, you, you've got to get this infrastructure better. And right now putting a rookie in behind this offensive line that they currently feature, right now I'm, I'm really nervous for Sam Bradford. And he can't stay healthy to begin with. And, and now you talk about a, a rookie who, you know, obviously is probably not going to play next year anyways. But, yeah, Arizona would, would be well served to beef up this roster because it is in rebuild mode and um, – yeah, I just don't see a lot of success for them in the near future. So, Joe, we've talked about some trade-up partners. We've talked about some trade-back options. Who are some players that you think outside of quarterbacks could move the needle for a team to make a move for at the end of the first round? Do you have anybody that stands out to you if I pose that question? Right off the cuff, um, I think about a couple of skill guys, Kyle. Uh, Cortland Sutton, wide receiver from SMU. I think he has a real chance to be an X receiver in this draft. I'm not sure there's a lot of guys that fit that prototype. And so, if you, you know, if you're if you need a a, a guy that can really be a, a a move the chains type dude for your offense and and uh, give a size speed element, I mean, there's not a lot of them in this class. He could be appealing. And then uh, Darius Geis from from LSU, the running back and. Um, you know, I, I like Nick Chubb, man. I like Sony Michelle. I like Ronald Jones. I like these guys, but I don't think they're Darius Geis. And, and uh, you know, I think he's a guy that could dangle around for a little bit and uh, be available in the back half of that first round and, and be very, very tantalizing for for a team that needs some, some firepower to their offense to get either Sutton or Geis. And so that's where my mind goes with the way that this draft shapes up and and uh, and what those guys can do for a team pretty pretty immediately. Joe, I got an interesting one. I'm sitting here looking through my top 50 or so on the draft board, and this name stands out to me, and I'm interested to get your reaction. How do you feel about a name like Sam Hubbard, Ohio State? And here, there's the reason why, right? You've got two pass rushers that are in a class of their own in Bradley Chubb and Harold Landry. Outside of that group, you got Marcus Davenport, Josh Sweat. These are guys that move the needle with some of their athletic testing and their traits, but they really haven't been able to put it all together on film with consistency. And look, I like Josh Sweat a lot. Josh Sweat's 39th on my board, so he's rated above Sam Sam Hubbard, who's 47th, which is a good number. That was my old football number. But Sam Hubbard... I think this is a really safe player. I think athletically he compares to T.J. Watt. He's got a different set of strengths in that he's much more effective against the run. He's not quite as dynamic of a pass rusher, but he's got upside in this area because, like I said, I think he's a comparable athlete to T.J. Watt. 
and he came in at 270 at the combine. He tested really well, had some nice change of direction skills at 270. That's a lot heavier than I think he played at. That's a lot heavier than you're going to ask him to play at the next level. But if you're looking for reliable edge play, a three-down guy right away, Sam Hebert is a guy that that I would cape for a little bit and say, hey, look, you know, you you know you're getting a really good baseline skill set here. He meets all your size variables. He meets all of your athleticism variables to be a high-caliber edge defender. Now we just need to get him to continue to develop his pass rush moves. Uh, this is a kid that at Ohio State probably played more sparingly than he should have because Ohio State is just ridiculously deep. You think about some of the ends that have been there during Hubbard's tenure with Ohio State. Uh, Tyquan Lewis is there. Nick Bosa's there. Sam Hubbard's there. I believe Joey Bosa overlapped with him for a year. So he was kind of caught up behind some talent there at Ohio State. And I think that there's more ceiling there to him that I think could entice some teams when you consider the rest of his off-the-field resume and his metrics. Kyle, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this because Twitter's going to blow up at you tomorrow for this. What do you make of this 40-yard dash that Sav Hubbard run ran at his uh, pro day? Uh, clocked 4.96 and 4.98. I mean, sorry, I know that, that it doesn't make again? sense. Sam Hubbard at his pro day, the Ohio State pro day last week, he ran 4.96 and 4.98. And, and compared to the rest of his testing, I don't think that's that makes any know. sense at all. But that's per Gil Brandt. Um, and so he's pretty pretty on top of the pro day numbers, and uh, I think that's pretty wild because for the rest of his numbers, vertical, short shuttle, all that stuff was so good for him to, to run that slow straight line kind of surprised me. I think we found the reason why he didn't run at the combine. <laughs> well, well, the <laughs> thing is he said he, God, he didn't want to run man. at the – his exact quote, his exact quote for the reason – he didn't want to run at the combine from Kimberly Jones. He says, you only get one shot at this, and I prefer to run my 40 at the pro day. I'll do any fo- football drill any day, but I've only been training for track for a month and a half. Okay, well, first that, of all, Sam, expl- you get two expl- shots. Yeah, but that explains it right there. Kid, well, kid was not he, able to get his start right in a 40-yard dash if he's running 4-9. There's no way that's 4-9. And he's – and he still can't get it right. Like, yeah. you know what? I don't understand. Trust I don't understand. Trust the tape, folks. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, Sam Hubbard's a very good football player. That 40 time doesn't make sense. Um, and uh, I agree with you that him, he's a very safe player at, at a position where there's, it's not overly deep this year. And uh, I love him in that base end role. I, I love how, uh, how, how sound he is. He's very detail-oriented with the way that he combats blacks. He never gets too deep upfield, so you can. I, I've said this a few times. You pair him with a guy like Khalil Mack or Avon Miller, and let them be even more aggressive because you know on the other side he's always going to be in his rush lane. He's always going to be in his fit, and you can really allow yourself to be more aggressive on the other side of the line of scrimmage on passing downs. And and I think that uh, he would be a, a really nice uh, counterpiece. I, I don't know, you know, if he'll be a player that somebody trades back up into the first round for. Um, but uh, you know, I certainly would understand the value, the reasoning, and and how much he could help a defense. That's a, that's a Kyle, pick one that, more team that I want. I was just going to say Go that's a pick that you know, uh, the heads on on the the draft broadcast are going to cape on that forty time. <laughs> Not us. We won't. We won't cape no, on it. Couldn't um, be us. Couldn't be us. <laughs> the uh, 
The the other team here in the first round that's super interesting to me is at number twenty eight, Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, with with the unfortunate situation regarding revolving uh, Ryan Shazier and and now the big hole that uh, Pittsburgh has at off ball linebacker and and uh, trying to replace uh, his production. You know, you really think about them as a linebacker spot, but. It's odd because we don't really see a lot of first-round linebackers, but you know we know that Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith are going in the first round, and then you know Rashawn Evans and Leighton Vander Esk. You know you could see scenarios where they're not on the board for Pittsburgh at twenty-eight, which would really blow my mind because uh, it's just it's just really uncharacteristic for that many linebackers to be selected in the first round. But for me, with Pittsburgh. I can really see this turning into a safety spot, their other primary need, and the player that kind of really stands out is Justin Reed out of Stanford. And, you know, I think we've talked about Derwin and Minka as the top of the first-round safeties, but the next guy, it had been Ronnie Harrison. And, um, you know, now there's some other players at the table in terms of this conversation, one of them being Reed and the other one being Jesse Bates from Wake Forest. And, um you know, it's it's interesting, and, and Reed's a guy that can fill so many different roles. He lined up in slot. He lined up in uh, overtop single high split zones. I mean, he does so many things. He does so many things well. He's a good athlete. He tackles. He covers. He can make play on the ball. I mean, he literally checks every single box. He's an outstanding, uh, just an t- intelligence-type person coming from Stanford. I know that I don't you – know, it's easy to say that with Stanford guys, but I know that you and John Ledger got to spend some time with him at the Combine, and really, you know, he really came away super impressed with uh, – just how intelligent he is. And, um, you know, we know that he may have uh, caught the eye of the Steelers here along the way in this process. And so, you know, we haven't talked about Justin Reed all that much as a first-round guy, but, yeah, I think we have a fit here at 28, uh, especially if the linebackers aren't in play. And, and now what's really interesting for me with, with Pittsburgh, right, well, what if both are available? What if they have their choice? I don't think Van Der Esk is going to get there. Let's just let's no. just throw him out. But let's say, let's say Rashad Evans – Ronnie Harrison, Justin Reed, Jesse Bates, all there for the taking for Pittsburgh. You know, who do they go with? Do you have any convictions on that? Give me Justin Reed. I think he's tremendous. I think he's multiple. I think he's more of what Pittsburgh is lacking on the back end. As far as that awareness, I think he would be fine in single high situations. Uh, he's a guy that can match the aggressiveness that that team wants to play with defensively because you can walk him down in the slot and he can play some man-to-man coverage. So I, th- I think the easy out is to give him Evans because it was such a, it's such a sore need for that team. But, Joe, I also survey, survey the landscape here of the linebackers. I like the linebacker group. I like a lot of these names that are going to be on the board on day two. I like Jannard Avery. No, that that might be a team. That's actually a team that I do like quite a bit for Pittsburgh to target at some juncture. To Grayscales is a name I like a lot. Sky Moore's got the medical issue. Um, like you said, Van Der Esch is, is going to be off the board. If I'm going strictly off the board, it doesn't give you a whole lot of clarity because Rashawn Evans is 38 and Justin Reed is 44. <laughs> so that, I mean those those two guys there they're right there for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm looking schematically for Pittsburgh, 
it's coin toss. My guts, my my gut reaction says for for Pittsburgh and their needs. I think Reed could have a bigger impact when you compare him to the other players that you could get later in the draft, and that's why I'll go with Justin Reed. Interesting team, though, right? I mean, just yeah, very. the different <clears throat> different options, and you feel like I mean, anything else would just be a total surprise if they didn't go linebacker or safety. Oh, yeah. um, pretty pretty well set roster. Um, I just did a seven round mock draft for them and got pretty acquainted with with Pittsburgh and. Uh, you know, just outside of linebacker and safety. And, and the good news for Pittsburgh fans is, like you said, the way that this draft stacks, they have a great chance to fill both needs with both of their first two picks and then just fill out the roster with the best guys on the board, add talent everywhere. I mean, just uh, kind of in an enviable, enviable position. And um, just got to get those two posi- positions right, and I think there's going to be plenty of options. Yeah. Get, get one of each in the first two rounds and put the damn thing on autopilot. Bringing home, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Top guy at the board. Yep. Boom, boom, boom. Go right down the list. <laughs> uh, Joe, that's going to put a bow on it for us today on Draft Dudes this Monday episode, the prospectus edition of the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, looking forward to next Monday's prospect portfolio edition. But, Joe, today is my day, and I'm going to enjoy mm. my time in the sun while you have one more week <laughs> worth of work ahead of you. <laughs> Uh, so I kindly remind everyone to swing over to NATScouting.com. If you enjoy the podcast, you're going to love our draft reports. We promise you that. Uh, you can get mine now. If you register, you get my 300 reports now, a week now from now. You're going to get Joe's same 300 players, his own reports. So you're going to get our dueling opinions on these 300 players for just $20, which I think is a good deal. That's like... What, endless salad and breadsticks at Olive Garden and a drink? For two. For, for two. For two draft guides. Not even just one, for two. <laughs> well, so, yeah, and the salad and breadsticks. You know, I think 20 bucks will cover you for two people. Well, there you go. Well, you got a draft guide for yeah. each person then. That works out quite well. Or you guys can just really let your hair down and splurge and get endless salad and breadsticks and the prospectus and portfolio. And you can read them over your endless salad and breadsticks. <laughs> Go crazy. Go Listen, crazy. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> so swing it over to NET Scouting. Uh, get on board with us. We promise you, you will not be disappointed. Uh, also check out some of the other stuff that we have going on over there at the site. We've got Ben Solak back from his brief hiatus, so we're going to be expecting him to give us some nuggets on his contextualized quarterbacking in the very near future. So you have that to look forward to as well. Um, Check out Joe said as we're doing uh, some seven-round team specifics for FanRag Sports. Go ahead, swing over to FanRag Sports. Check those out as well. We will be back on Wednesday with another episode of the Draft Dudes podcast. In the meantime, hit that subscribe button. Follow along. Follow along with us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at NDT Scouting. Joe is at the Joe Marino. And we are at NDT Scouting on Instagram. Thanks for following along with us, guys. We'll talk to you with you on Wednesday. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. 
Hey, you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS ID 399801. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.